Good morning. Today's daf is daf Kufnun Gimel. We're going to go from the top line of Kufnun, Kufnun Gimel Amud Aleph. Um, yeah, today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Tzipora Bashmuel Hayelet Shmuel Shner Zalman Ben Alexander Zev Halevi and Ben Sion Ben Zev Avram Halevi. May their memory be a blessing. The yeah, we continue. Remember, we left off yesterday that um, what happens with the neshama, and that uh, certain people go to Alam Haba. So, just along those themes, the Gemara starts. Amar Rav Yehuda bar Braid Rav Shmuel bar Shilas Mishmeid Rav Rav Yehuda Braid Rav Shmuel bar Shilas said in the name of Rav, Mehespedos shall Adam Nikar im Ben Olam Haba who im Lav. From the hesped of a person, you can tell whether he is a going to deserve Olam Haba or not. Rashi explains, if everyone's crying and mournful and bitter, then it means he's going to Olam Haba, and if people are indifferent, then not necessarily. Any, is that true? You can really tell from the hairspit. says, Rav warned of Shmuel Milas, you better give a moving hairspit because I'll be standing there. I, what do you mean I'll be, for well, firstly, why, why must Rav insist on him giving a moving hesped? Nistoma Rav was a very great, pious person. He was the leader of the generation. It shouldn't matter whether Rav Shmuel Bar Shilas gives a moving hesped or not. It will be determined if Rav's deserving of Olam Haba, then it will automatically be a moving hesped. And if not, it won't. So the Gemara answers, no, Lord Kasha, no, it depends whether he gives a moving hesped or people moved or not. I obviously you want a good hesped, and you want it to be a moving hesped. The only question is, um, will, are people moved by a good hesped? If they're moved by the good hesped, if everyone is uh, crying and sad, then it's a good hesped, and if not. It will not be a good hesped. Interesting enough, um, a few people point, uh, like a few interesting points on this. One is that it says, Rav says, I'll be standing at my funeral. I'll be standing there listening to the hesped, so make sure to give a good one about me. So they point, so one commentary points out um, that we know this is, yeah, the A.T. Yosef uh, commentary on Agarita, he says that we know a tzaddik in this world is always highlighted, he's always going, he's always growing. That's actually what's special about people. People can always have the opportunity to grow, improve, do more mitzvahs. However, angels and those who are deceased are generally, well, angels are actually called ointim, those who stand. They don't move, they're at their spiritual level, it's a high spiritual level, but they remain there. Unlike people, and especially tzaddikim, who are constantly growing and developing. Comes along, Rav, and says, I'll be standing at my funeral because I want you to give a good hesped. I know I'll be standing there. I'm not able to grow based on my, based on my own abilities anymore because Rav will be deceased. However, if you give an inspiring hesped that people want to emulate me, and my life it gets people to improve, I am still able to grow. It reminds me of a famous, um, the Gemara, what is it? It says, it says the pee, the mouths of tzaddikim mumble in the, move in the graves. This is what do you mean they move in the graves? So they explain that no, it means that when you teach something over in the name of another Rav, it's as if he's teaching that Torah and therefore he still gets merit for it. 
And that's what, so that's, that's what I think one of the things Ravzi is saying here. Give a moving aspect. Give a aspect that people learn from the way I live my life so that when they improve and grow, I get some of, uh, uh, I also grow and improve even though I'm deceased and I'm oimed him. I can just stand there now. Says, says, you Rabba who everyone in Pumpadisa hates, Who's going to give a good hesped? I'll come back to why Rabbah was hated. There's He says, no, I'm happy. It's sufficient if you give a hesped and Rabbah Baal gives a good hesped. Um, Rabbah was the Rav of Pumpadisa. Pumpadisa, the community in Pumpadisa weren't, the, weren't the necessarily the best people. So Rav, Rabbah, as the Rav of Pumpadisa, has to give a lot of Musar. And therefore he was hated. He was disliked. Interesting enough, his Talmud, his nephew, Abaya and Ksubois, says almost the flip side. He says if a Rav is too well liked, he's not doing his job properly. Okay, something to think about. Um, Rabbi Eliezer asked Rav, Eizu ben Oilam Haba, who is deserving of ben of Oilam Haba? says, he says, when those, when they say, listen to the words from behind him, to say, this is the way you should follow, follow him to the right and follow him to the death. I, when people hear about the deceased's life and they're like, oh, that's something worth emulating, that's something worth following, that's the sort of person who's going to get Olam Haba. Rabbi Hanina Omar, Kol Rabbi Chanina says, anyone who the Chazal are happy with. Then the Pasuk says, The Softim will go around the marketplace. How do you make sure that you get Olam Haba? Do things that will be spoken about before your coffin. Yehuda Omri, the people of Yehuda used to say, Do things that will be discussed. After, behind your coffin, it says, Velo pligi, mark yasre, mark yasre. Okay, it depends where the hesped was, be said, was said, but they all, it boils down to the same point. In a way, one of your garning things in life should be, what, should, what do I want them to say in my, in my hesped? And that's what they're saying. It says, okay, whether you're in a place where the hesped are said behind the coffin or before the coffin, that's not the main point. The main point is, live a life based on what will be said over your coffin. That's uh, that's the lesson of this Gemara. Tanan Hasam Rabbi Eliezer Rabbi says Shuv Yom Yachodif Nei Misosko. You must do tshuva one day before you die, because remember we've discussed in quite detail. You must be ready and return your neshama to Hashem in purity. So make sure to do tshuva the day before you die. So Shalut Amiravos Rabbi Eliezer Adam Yotei Ezu Ben Yom Musa. But a person doesn't know when he's going to die. Asked his student. So Amar Lahem V'Chol Shekain Yoshev. He says, okay, definitely. Do tshuva today in case you die tomorrow. It comes out, you'll be spending your whole life doing tshuva, which is uh, a very pious, a good way of living, a life that is constantly striving to be to come closer to Hashem. It says, Shlomo, so to Shlomo said in his great wisdom, you should keep your garments white at all times. And never... Deprive your head of oil. I always be pure and ready. 
אומר רבי יוחנן בן זקה, משה למלך, שזימן את עבודו ולסודו ולא יקובו עליהם זמן. רבי יוחנן בן זקה, we can give a parable to this, if you have like a human king who invites his servants for a סעודה, but he doesn't tell them when it's going to be. This pirtin shobehem kishtres atmo v'yashua pesa paisa melech, omru klum chosa lepaisa melech. The wise servants adorn themselves and get ready and wait by the entrance to the king's palace, saying, you know, the king doesn't lack anything. He can have a sa'ud already at, in the blink of an eye. The fools go, go to work. They say, you know what? It takes a long time to organize a feast, a banquet. We'll hear about it and we'll go get ready then. The king, all of a sudden the king invites, says everyone, okay, the Sa'uda, the banquet's beginning. The wise ones were all prepared and ready. They had done tshuva and the day that they died, they're ready to stand before Hashem. And the fools, well, they were all dirty. They weren't ready yet. The king is happy to meet the wise ones and sad to meet the fools. And angry with the fools. Omar Halalusha Kishtu at Asmam the Suda Yashuvi Yachlaviishtu. Halushaloi Kishtu Atram the Suda Yam Duviru. And he said, you know what? These who were ready for the banquet can come and join the table of the banquet, and those who were not ready, the fools who didn't live a life of piety, must stand around watching everyone enjoying the banquet. Says Khasno Shall Rebi Mah, Mishum Rebi Mah, I mean the son in law of Rebi Mah said in Rebi Mah's name. No, if they're standing around the outside of the hall, these evil people who were not ready for the kings, these fools who were not ready for the banquet, they, um, they look like waiters, which is still, to be a waiter in the, at the royal banquet is still a level of chashivus. It might not be the same as the guests, but it's still a level of chashivus. He says, It's says, rather it's actually much worse for them. They're all sitting at the banquet. Sitting at the table at the banquet. These will eat and these are starving. These are drinking and these are thirsty. And they get to sit there, watch, feeling the desire for it, but not being able to enjoy it. As the post says, My servants will eat and you will be hungry. You will drink, my servants will drink. And you will be thirsty. My servants will sing out of from their good heart, from their contentment, and you will cry out from your pain. Okay, so that's uh, yeah. Just so 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 far, how we've learned it. This is again the importance of doing tshuva. One day before you die, again, you don't know when that is, take the opportunity. I think this ties back to yesterday's and the previous day's daf. Again, when you're alive and you have energy, you have financial resources, etc., take the opportunity to do ma'asim tovim, to give tzedakah, to do tshuva, because you never know. You, you have to be ready for the king's banquet, and you never know when, you're going to, when he's going to call you in. Um, that's the one point. Interesting enough, the one uh, the Maharil gives a positive spin on this. He says you don't have to say it's be prepared, live your life because you might die the next day. He says live your life because Mashiach might come the next day. And there are many opinions in the Gemara that in your Moshe Moshiach, we will, I guess, along the lines of it's similar to Olam Haba, there won't be any free will, so you won't be able to do mitzvahs and grow and. 
develop yourself and do Masim Tovim in the days of Mashiach. So you don't have to look at it as necessarily negative. Do Tshuva because you might die. Do Tshuva because Mashiach could be coming any moment. Okay, that's an interesting point. Then once we mentioned this, um, um, higher up the page, we mentioned that Shlomo HaMelech said, you must always be ready wearing your white clothes and your head must be anointed. So he says, At all times your clothes must be white. That's referring to tzitzis. And when the Pasuk says, never deprive your, you must have anointing oil on your head, that's referring to the tefillin. One explanation in what this is, is that you must subject, tefillin and tzitzis represent the two parts of yourself that you must subjugate to Hashem. Your tzitzis recovers your body, you wrap yourself in your talus, so that's the one aspect you must subjugate your physical being. And tefillin represent your mind and your heart. So you must subjugate your mental and emotional faculties also to serve Hashem. And that's how you will come out wearing, um, being pious. It's an interesting halachic discussion that's this, uh, that this can touch on. Is Otsitsis supposed to be what? It says, You must wear white clothes. That refers to wearing tzitzis. So we actually have our old, old minag, our talus, old minag that our talisim are white, and our, we do have black stripes to remember the trailers, but the, main, the primary color of our taluses are white. There's a discussion in Shulchan Aruch if, if it's, is it preferable to have white, and there's another discussion if your tzitzis and your talus must be the same color. So that's a, that's just, I don't want to go into the details now, but that's an interesting thing to think about. What color should your talus or tzitzis be? Okay, Hadron Allah Shoel, Hadron Allah Shoel, Hadron Allah Shoel. The final, Perek of Masechah Shabbos. This is the 24th Perek. Interestingly, not to go into the detail, but 24 is a significant number in its own right. We find that there are 24... Sifrei Tanakh in uh, in Tanakh there are twenty four books in uh, it brings that there are twenty four pieces of jewelry that you dress a color a bride in and this goes back to uh, Hashem at Matan Torah the Jews were Hashem's bride so he adorned us with twenty four gifts and I think one of the gifts Hashem gave us one of the greatest gifts he gave us is Shabbos. And that uh, makes sense. Therefore, the Masechta should be divided into 24 uh, prokim um, to underline, to yeah, emphasize that point. The 24 pieces of jewelry that Hashem adorned His bride with when He gave us uh, the Torah. Okay, just uh, yeah, something to think about the significance of the number 24. What happens if someone's walking on a journey? You drive along the highway and you see the sun starting to set Friday afternoon and it's basically Shabbos. He says, Give your wallet to a non-Jew. Now, as we know, you're generally not allowed to ask a non-Jew to do malacha for you. That's what we commonly call Amira Lenochri, telling a non-Jew to do something. But here, as we'll see in the Gemara, the rabbis know that if you had to think about it and decide that, wait, I have to chuck my wallet because I can't carry it anymore, a person's not able to like resist it, and he will come to carry it, which is much worse than asking the non-Jew to do something. Carrying something is an isudoraisa, and giving it to a non-Jew to carry, asking a non-Jew to do something for you, is only an isudoraponon. 
If it's not, if a nonji is not with him, he can put it on his donkey. We'll discuss that further in the Gomorrah. As soon as he reaches the outer courtyard of the city, I the first protected place where he can unload, the articles that are not muksa he must take off, and the articles that are muksa that he can't handle, he must undo the ropes so that they fall off the animal themselves. Now the Gomorrah my time is Shorile Rabban and Lamaisiv Kisel and Ochri. Why did the rabbis allow, so this is what I just explained, how come the rabbis allowed you to give a non-Jew your wallet to carry for you? You're not allowed to ask a non-Jew to do malacha for you. So, the rabbis worked out that a person will not be able to um, restrain himself when it comes to parting from his money. And Eloi Shoris, Aizilatuya Dalit Amos, Burushus Arabim, and therefore if they do not allow him to do this, he will end up carrying four Amos in Rishus Harabim. So I, it's, it's very interesting. The rabbis waved their gazera of Amir Akum that you're not allowed to ask an anju to do something for you because they know that you won't be able to resist. You won't be able to stand up to the test of chucking your wallet. You're driving along the highway, chucking your car in your wallet and starting or whatever, just chuck, um, you're walking along the highway and it starts to turn Shabbos to chuck all your belongings and carry on. So they said, rather do it in this way. That's only an issue. Well, it's normally an issue drive on. And we waive it in this case so that you don't come to do an issue to a um, Just interestingly, um, what some Rishonim point out from here is that we see on Friday afternoon, you're asking the Nanju to do something for you on Shabbos. You're saying, okay, I see what Shabbos is in at half past five. I see it's uh, ten past five. We're not going to be home by then. Here, will you please carry this wallet, my wallet for me, so that on Shabbos I'm not carrying it. You're asking him to do a malacha for you on Shabbos and still it's also. There's a big discussion, not to go into a week, basically go strict always, is are you allowed to on Friday ask an Anju to do malacha for you on Shabbos? So clearly from this Gomorrah not. You can't ask him, if not for this heter, you would not be allowed to ask him to carry your wallet for you on Shabbos. So we see you're not allowed to ask him on Erev Shabbos to do something on Shabbos. And then a second question, again, also, you're allowed to ask a non-Jew to do something for you on Shabbos, that he does it for you Motzei Shabbos. I can you go to the non-Jew and say, on Motzei Shabbos, can you come and light the fire? Or can you come and cook this for me? Or something like that. Um, that would be, it depends on exactly how you learn the basis for the Isur of Amir Akum. But uh, we don't have time to go into it now, but just a very interesting point. From here, we see that you would not be allowed to ask a non-Jew on Friday to you like for us it's quite practical you can't ask your mate say can you come in tomorrow morning and do x if x is a malacha okay um on my rover dafka kiso law this is specifically your wallet that you're allowed to ask the non-jew to carry but if you're walking along and you find a lost object you law you would not be allowed to ask the non-jew to carry it Pshita, isn't that obvious? Kisotnan, the Mishnah says his wallet. No, maybe it means anything that the Jew could once. He can ask the non-Jew to carry. And the reason the Mishnah says wallet is because that's the most likely example. It says Kamash Malan, that he can't ask him to carry a Mitzia. This is all where he has not yet picked it up. But if he's already picked it up, it's like his wallet. I, why? So he's walking along on a Friday evening. This non-Jew is carrying his wallet. And he sees this, someone's dropped a fancy watch. 
Why is he not allowed to ask the non-Jew to carry that for him? So the, the commentaries explain because his wallet, his money, that's his hard-earned money. A person feels a greater affinity for that and he's less likely to be prepared to part with it. And therefore the rabbis realized if they don't allow him to do this, give it to the non-Jew to carry, he's going to end up um, walk carrying it himself, which is Isidor Isa. But something that he's never ever, let's call connected to, he just finds it on the floor, there they don't say that leniency. However, once he's already acquired it, let's say Friday afternoon he was walking along and he found this fancy watch, well there he's already, in his, and he's picked it up and he's put it on his wrist, there in his mind it's already part of his uh, property and he'll find it very hard to resist to uh, give it up and therefore he would also be allowed to give that to a non-Jew. says, Velo, um, Ika, so, there's a slightly different version. Um, the second version is basically, we said it's, according to Robert, it was obvious if he had already acquired the lost object and then Shabbos came in, and then Shabbos was coming in, he can give it to a non-Jew to carry. But um, this one, it's, Robert actually asked it as a question. He says, I'm not sure if you find a lost object on Friday, and then you want to give it to a non-Jew to carry for you on Shabbos while you're traveling home. Are you allowed to? He says, take who leaves it unresolved. But either way, we can pass conveniently because remember, again, it's only a Isud Rabbonin. And the general rule is Sofek Rabbonin Lekula. Okay, ain Imon The Mishnah said that if he doesn't have it, he must give it to a non-Jew to carry his wallet. And if he doesn't, he can put it on his Donkey. So the the Gemara focuses on that. It says, "Time We emphasize that he's only allowed to put it on his donkey if there is no non-Jew with him. If he's walking along with a non-Jew, he has to give it to a non-Jew. If he's walking along with a non-Jew and his donkey, he can't put it on his donkey. He has to give it to the non-Jew to carry. It says, "My timer. What's the reason?" It says, "Chamor, his donkey no, because you're commanded to make sure your donkey rests, but you're not commanded to make sure that a non-Jew rests. I, we know we say we say this in Kiddush just before Kiddush in Shabbos. Not essential to say, but we do say it. Um, and your animal, a Jew has a mitzvah that he's not allowed to let his animal do melacha on Shabbos. So therefore, you're commanded to not let... Okay. Oh, you're saying that's a non-Jew? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think it's a non-Jew. Ebed is different. Ebed is your property. But this is a, non, a regular non-Jew is not considered your slave. So... So, so you're, a non-Jew is not commanded. You, you have no responsibility to make sure a non-Jew keeps Shabbos. And therefore, you can give him your wallet. But your animal, the Pasuk tells you, you have, your animal has to keep Shabbos. So you're not allowed to put the wallet on your animal. Therefore, if you have a choice between asking the non-Jew to carry your wallet or your donkey to carry your wallet, you ask the non-Jew. We'll go a bit more into it a bit later. And um, the Gemara is just going to carry on discussing the hierarchy of various people that are traveling with you. Who should you rather give your wallet to carry? 
chamor v'chere shoyta v'katan. What happens if you're walking with a donkey? A cherish, that's a deaf mute, someone who can't speak or hear. And a shoyte is someone who's insane. And a katan is a mana. It says, achamor monachlei. You should first prize, put it on the donkey. Lecheresh, shoyte, v'katan yohivlei. If it's a choice between a cherish and a shoyta, to the shoyta. Shoyta v'katan, le shoyta. If it's between the shoyta and the katan, an insane person and the katan, to the shoyta. They asked him, Cheresh v'katan mai. If you have a choice between a deaf mute or a cotton, who should you give it to? Sorry, just before we go on, um, I feel like I missed a line. Um, yeah, I mean, it says, why should you rather put it on your donkey than on a shot of a cotton? It says, honey, Adam, high love, Adam, because they're people and the donkey is not a person. If you... In your mind, if you give it to one person to carry a wallet for you, next time you might give it to a different person who you're not allowed to, who would not be allowed to carry it. So therefore we go strict and say, rather give it to the donkey than to one of these people because you'll get confused between people. Okay, then what happens again? A shoyta is the lowest down. A shoyta is an insane person. He's not chayv in mitzvahs and therefore rather give it to him to carry. What happens if you have a cheresh v'katon? Now remember, a cheresh is an adult who's a deaf-mute. So according to the Torah, deaf-mute, and I think it was largely in those times, you can discuss exact, it's a big discussion in the poskim how to view a deaf-mute nowadays, but in those times a deaf-mute didn't really have any way to interact with society. So he was viewed as someone with very limited intellect, almost like a child. A child has a very limited intellect. So now you're walking along and you realize it's nearly Shabbos. Should you rather give your wallet to the child to carry or the cheresh to carry? So Gemara says, firstly, I'm not asking the question. According to Rebbe Lezer, the Tanya, because as we'll see from the coming Brisa, Rebbe Lezer basically holds a cheresh, a deaf mute, to be a sophic, whether he's actually um, considered... What's it? Um, mentally competent or not? The Tanya Rabbi Yitzchak, I'm a Mishum Rabbi Lezer. Rabbi Yitzchak says in the name of Rabbi Lezer, Trumas Cheresh Loi Teitze Lechulim Ibnei Shehu Sofek. The Truma of a Cheresh, if a deaf mute separates Truma from a, from produce, you're not allowed to treat it as Chulim because he's a Sofek. I we see according to Rabbi Eliezer, a Cheresh is actually a doubt whether we view him as a person on as a fully competent, mentally competent person or not. And therefore, obviously, on Shabbos, if you have a choice between giving your wallet to him to carry or a child to carry, well, if you give it to him to carry, it might be con- he might be considered a regular person. And therefore, obviously, don't give it to him, rather give it to the child. So it's Kiti Boilach Aliba Drabon, and the question must be according to the Rabon and the other opinion. As we learned in a Mishnah, There are five people who must not separate truma, and if they do separate truma, it doesn't even count as truma. If someone walks up to your, as we'll see the following examples, but you've got a pile of grain, remember the first thing the farmer does once he's got his pile of grain is separate truma for the kohen. Now once that truma is separated, it's kodosh, it's truma, and he's not allowed, it's not allowed to go to chulin, etc. But, um, so that these five people, if they separate Trumah, it's as if, it's as if nothing has happened. It says, 
deaf, mute, and insane person and a mana. Or if someone separates truma from someone else's field, I come into your field and I separate your truma. Again, that doesn't count as any act. And a non-Jew who separates truma on behalf of a Jew, it doesn't count as truma. And it's interestingly enough, the, yeah, a non-Jew can't be a shliach to a Jew. We say that a non-Jew, if a non-Jew, non I can ask you to do a mitzvah on my behalf, at least certain types of mitzvahs. And that's because you're Jewish. You, a non-Jew cannot do a mitzvah on your behalf, and therefore a non-Jew cannot do separate truma on your behalf. But what do we see according to the, Rab, the, the Rabbanon? That a shoit, a cheresh, and a katan are both considered not mentally competent, and therefore they don't, their mitzvahs don't count. So who should you rather give your wallet to carry, the cheresh or the katan? Says my, what's the halacha? Says the cheresh loivlei, the katan aisi lechal teyes. Not dilma the katan yoivlei, the cheresh aisi lechlufe begadol pikach. Says maybe you should rather give it to the child, to the cheresh, because the child's actually going to grow up into a mentally competent person. So there's a dimension that he's more obligated in mitzvahs. Or maybe you should rather give it to the child because if you give it to the cheresh, you might get confused and, oh, last week I gave my wallet to, uh, last month when I, when I was in this problem, I gave my wallet to an adult, this cheresh, you know this, and then you give it to another adult. So more likely to get confused there. <coughs> so, Some say that you rather give it to the Cheresh and some say rather give it to the cotton. Okay, so there's no clear answer. I think we would pass and you could choose in that case. Um, but again, so you're traveling along with the cheresh, a deaf mute. As I said, we're assuming one that can't really communicate with people. Nowadays that there's sign language and all these other ways of communication. I'm not sure if we, how we would treat a cheresh. It's an interesting discussion in the Foskim. Um, but the... But we would definitely apply this to, uh, sorry, um, but so therefore you can choose whether you want to give it to the cheresh or the cotton. Now, an interesting question is part of the, of, um, the exact same posuk which tells us we can't give it to an animal also tells us we can't give it to a child. You're not allowed to have a child do malach of you. There's actually a general principle in the whole Torah. You're not allowed to ask a child to do an isur. You're not allowed to feed a child non-kosher. You're not allowed to ask a child to do something that's forbidden to do. So how can you give the child the wallet, your, your wallet to carry? Okay, that's a side discussion. Maybe we'll have an answer to that further down the page. Yeah, just to mention, there's one aspect in general in the Torah you're not allowed to ask a child to do malacha for you. And there's an added dimension because by Shabbos says, You, your son and your daughter. So there's a special thing against getting a child to do or allowing your child to do malacha for you on Shabbos. Over and above the general issue of getting children to do what is also. Okay, but that's, uh, yeah, as I said, that's, uh, that's an important discussion, but beyond the scope of our shir. It says, now, the Goanshans, What happens, you're walking along, you're carrying the sun setting, and you're traveling by yourself. You're just walking along with your backpack, with all your valuables in. What do you do? 
So Omar Rabbi Yitzchak Adacheres Hoysa Velo Ratzel Chachamim Lagloi said there is another solution, but Chazal didn't want to reveal it. Says my Adacheres Hoysa, what's the other solution? Says Malicho Pachos Pachos Mitalad Amos. Walk little by little, less than four Amos at a time. Remember, we learned earlier on in the Masechta to transgress carrying Doraisa, you have to transfer it four Amos in the Rishus Harabim. It's about two meters. So as long as you're walking a meter and a half and stopping, and then starting again and walking a meter and a half and stopping, and then start again, you're doing an Akira and Anacha on less than um, four Amos, and you've only done, and that would only be an Isra Drabonin, so the Xayra would be waived in this concept, in this context. His Amaylo Ratzu Chachomim Lagloiso. Why did Chazal not want to reveal this solution? Again, our Mishnah doesn't mention this at all. Our Mishnah is quite secretive. Our Mishnah just said you can give it to a, a, a non-Jew, to your donkey. We deduce from that, okay, maybe also a cheresh of a cotton. But it doesn't mention the solution at all. So he says, so why not? He says, Kovet Elohim Hester Dovor. Out of honor for Hashem, you sometimes conceal things. The Kovet Malachim Choyker Dovor. And just because of the, and if it's because of the Kovet of the king, you can still investigate. Vahachamai Kovet Elohim Ika. What's the honor for Hashem here? He says, If you start spreading this advice, this solution, you know you can carry in Rishus Arabim if you carry less than four Amos, people are very likely to end up carrying more than four Amos. Can you imagine? You've traveled, um, we don't even have to go to, you've, tr- you've traveled 500 meters, stopping every one and a half meters. It's going to get very, very annoying. And you're going to actually st- start pushing, okay, so then you'll go to 1.8 meters, then 1.9 meters. And before you know it, you're going to be carrying a little bit more than four Amos, you know, like, Ach, I'm just carrying anyway, let me just move a little bit more than four Amos. You know, so it's very likely to lead to an Isudoraisa, and therefore Chazal felt that out of honor for Hashem, we actually have to conceal the solution. I was just thinking, interestingly, he says, the covered Malachim, even though you have to have honor for kings, Choyker Dovor, you're still allowed to investigate what's going on. What is that? I, I, don't, uh, I don't want to be too presumptuous, but I think uh, in certain countries, sometimes. You have to investigate what's going on in the government. Some, uh, sometimes, you know, out of honor for the king and honor for the government, you let certain things slide and you don't have to. But sometimes, you have to investigate. For the, if there's too much corruption, if the government's taking advantage of the people unfairly, in ways that they're not allowed to and, it's, and things, then you do have to investigate the corruption. I think maybe this is a message to... Uh, to our to our government, um, to, that I think they they often do feel they're above uh, above reproach. They're uh, it's beneath their dignity to appear in a regular court. No, sometimes sometimes even regarding even though we have to have honor for the king for the government, you still over. Okay, but let's carry on. Tanya Rebbe Lezer Oime Baba Yom God Shusaya Rebbe Shua Oime Baba Yom Mochkusaya Rebbe Lezer says on that day they heaped up the Saya and Rebbe Shua says on that day they leveled the Saya. Very cryptic. Um, it sounds very cryptic but Rashi explains it very nicely. Basically, Baba Yom, remember we learned earlier in the Masechta Rebbe Hananya uh, ben Chizkia was in his attic and all the elders from Shammai and Hillel, most of the elders from Shammai and Hillel came to him and they made 18 decrees on that day. Yurches Xeros they made on that day in the attic of uh, Hananiah ben Chizkiah. Now, 
Rabbi Eliezer says, God should say, it was very good. Instead of making the, the exact sayer, they heaped it up a little. Aye, they protected the Torah. They made a siyag. You know, you have to give someone exactly a sayer, so you put on a little bit more and it protects. Make sure that you have the correct amount. That's Rabbi Eliezer's approach, that what they did was very good. Rabbi Yeshua says, no, they actually ended up leveling the sayer. They put too much on the Jews with these 18 decrees and it backfired. If the Ramos are too, if you make too many Xeras and you're too strict and too restrictive with people, well, then they just disregard it all. So that's Rabbi Yeshua felt that had happened. Tanya Moshe, the Rebbe of Domer, the Kupa Malayak, Yeshuaim, Vaduluyim, Odom, Noisim, Latoshe, Chardov, Bahimachzekes. We can compare this to um, Rebbe Lezer. We can give a parable to Rebbe Lezer. If someone has a basket full of uh, melons and gourds, cucumbers and gourds, he puts in a little bit of mustard and it uh, preserves it. Aye, that's this. He had a, they had the Torah and they put in a little bit few Xeris and it preserves it. Marshal Dreb Yudalamad over Domel, Areva Malaya, Dvash, you have a bowl full of honey, and Noisan the Tocha Rimonim Vegoizim, Vihimekia, and you decide to put in all pomegranates and uh, nuts, it overflows and you lose some of the honey. Again, if you have a bowl full of honey and you drop in a pomegranate, it's going to overflow and you lose some of the honey. So he says that's what happened. They were putting on too many xeras and they ended up losing out. Okay. Okay, now remember I mentioned that there's a Isur Doraisa for your animal to do malacha for you. So the Gemara is going to go into that point. It says, Oma Mar, we said, If there's no donkey traveling with you, you can put your, if there's no, sorry, if there's no non-Jew traveling with you, you can put your wallet on your donkey. It says, That's what's called Mechamer. Mechamer literally means leading a loaded animal. I, if you call your animal to walk to you, and it's got a load on his back, you're making your animal carry in Rishus Harabim, you're making him do Isudoraisa, so that's what it's called Mechamer, but it seems to be a generic term for any melacha that your animal is doing for you. The Torah says he's not allowed to do any work, your animal's not allowed to do melacha. No, place it on the animal while the animal is walking. Remember, what do you have to do to transgress carrying on Shabbos? Going back about 150 days to the beginning of the Masechta, you have to do an Akira and a Hanocha, a picking up and a putting down. Now we say when you're holding something, if you stopped and you start walking, so that's an Akira. And when you stop walking, that counts as the Hanocha. So if you wait for your donkey to be walking past, and while he's walking, you put the wallet on his back, well then he's never done an Akira. So that should be fine. It says, Oh, but your animal's definitely going to stop at some point to do his needs. And then when he starts, and then, so he stops, the donkey stops to urinate. And then you call the donkey to carry on walking. Then he does, then that's an Akira. And when he stops by your house, that's an Anocha. She says, No, so what you do is, while it's walking, you place the wallet on it. If it stops, take the wallet off. And then as soon as it starts walking, put it on again. So that the donkey is never doing both an Akira and Hanocha. Well then why do we come onto a donkey? Even a Jew could carry in that way. Remember, if you never, there's no Isra for you. Well, at least there might only be an Isra Durabonon. But as we see, we, we disregard Isra and Durabonon for the sake of your money in this context. 
Um, so if you, it shouldn't necessarily, if you're walking with your friend and you see it's late Friday afternoon, what you do is you tell your friend, carry on walking. And while he's walking, you pop your wallet into his hand and then he puts it in his pocket or you pop it into his bag while he's walking and then he's never done an Akira. So it should be fine. Why, why specifically with a donkey and not with your friend? So Amar Papa, Anything, if you did it by yourself, would be If you do it in partnership with another person, it's still I remember we've seen this. I think this is what we've seen earlier. If two people do a malacha together, that could be done by one person, they're exempt. But, they're, but it's still a isudurabonin. So that's why you can't do it with your friend. It says, but... Um, Anything that to do with your friend would be a Isud Rabbonin, to do it with a donkey would be 100% fine. Are you allowed to go ahead? You can do a Malacha together with your donkey. That's permitted. Yeah, so obviously there's different, there's obviously different weight given to different Rabbonins. Isud Rabbonin. Like as we saw, they prepared to wave asking a non-Jew to do melacha, but they weren't necessarily prepared to wave walking less than four amos. Okay, that was the machloikas in the Gemara. So different Rabbonans have different strengths, it seems here. And maybe you could. Maybe if it was a last resort. Let's say it's just you and a friend walking. And you're on the highway, and there's no, animal, no one else, no non-Jews to ask. What's your, what should you do? Should you walk less than four amos? Should you maybe ask your friend to carry, while he's walking, put it in his hand so that there's no Akira? What would be the next best? But maybe as a last resort, you can. But definitely rather use your donkey than your friend. That's what's clear from here. Um, yeah. Your friend, if your friend, if your friend's a donkey. <laughs> if your friend's a donkey, then you better rush home. <laughs> Um, what happens if you walk, it seems as if you're walking by yourself and you got your backpack on your bag what do you do so he says run with it on your shoulders until you get home specifically this heter is if you're running but not if you're um, walking slowly my timer why only if you're running since there's no heker, he will end up doing an akira I very. Uh, this is probably the most lenient uh, option available. You're walking by yourself. You don't even have a friend. So what do you do? You've got your backpack with all your valuables. You're not going to be prepared to just chuck it. So what's the best way to do it? Before Shabbos comes in, start running. And then as long as you're running by the time Shabbos comes in, you were never did an akira. And when you get home, you can put it down. It says, Oh, but when you get to your house and you unlock the front door, the front gate, you're going to end up stopping. And then when you go into your house, that's an Akira. And when you put it down in your house, that's an Anocha. It says, No, throw it like in an unusual way into your house. So again, so you've, you, were, you were traveling on the highway, got stuck in traffic. So you quickly took your bag and you ran home. Now, when you stop at the gate Friday night and you open the gate, you've now stopped. So how do you get your bag inside? Rashi says, for example, turn around and throw it over your back. Like an unusual way to get it in your house. Again, that's only, and it would be fine. 
Omar Rami Balchama Hamachamer Acher Behemta Beshabbos Beshoigei Chayav Chatos Bemezid Chayav Skila. Rami Barchama says, if someone's mechamer after the animal on Shabbos, if he does it by mistake, he has to bring a korban chattas. And if he does it by mazid, he has to bring his chatzkila. Basin will put him to, to death. My timer, what's the source for that? So again, it's very strict. If you would carry on Shabbos, if you'd carry on Shabbos by accident, you'd be chav chattas. And if you did it on purpose, Beisdin would put you to death with skila. So you say the same thing. If you get your donkey to carry for you on Shabbos, you would have to bring a korban chattas, and if you got him to carry for you on purpose, you'd be put, Beisdin would put you to death. So Zoma, Rabba, what's the source of this? So Rabba brings the following pasuk. You should not allow to do any work, you and your animal. We compare you to your animal, just as your animal would be chayav, just as you would be chayav, if you did it, you would be chayav, so too, if your animal does it, you'd be chayav in the same way. Okay, I was hoping to get a bit further, but let's leave it here. There's just one more important point I didn't get to discuss, I'll just mention the question. Um, we'll continue with the suvia tomorrow, so I'll, 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 uh, I'll uh, refresh us uh, tomorrow, so don't worry if you weren't following. Um, so the, the one point I wanted to discuss is here we see that to save your money, we say the rabbis went lenient to allow you to save your money. I, they waived Isurei de Rabbonin um, so that you don't come to do the more severe Isudoraisa. We've touched on this principle before, but we actually came out the opposite way. We said by a fire, remember if a person's panicked to put out the fire, the rabbis went stricter with their money and said they're not allowed to save their stuff. They're only allowed to save three meals worth of stuff. And the clothes that they can wear on their body. But there and there, and why? Because if they said, if you get too caught up in, uh, too caught up in saving your property, you're going to come to put out the fire. So very interesting. So here, to save your property, the rabbis went lenient so that you don't break Shabbos. And there, they banned you from saving your property so that you don't come to break Shabbos. So how do you resolve? What's the difference between the two? That here we, um, here we're going lenient and saying you can waive Yisurei Drabonim because otherwise you'll come to break Shabbos. And then we go even stricter and say no, you have to waive, give, get rid of your property so that you don't come to Yisurei Doraisa. Okay, maybe tomorrow I'll mention an answer on that. But that is something that the Rishonim discuss on the sugya. Have a very good day, and I'll see you tomorrow.